see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, Stephen, welcome back. Here we are for episode seven, I believe now, of Rangers Review. And yeah, what an episode this is going to be. Uh, something that originally at first seemed like it wasn't going to be anything too hectic. We're going to be reviewing the games like we normally do. We're going to be answering a lot of questions from our first ever mailbag that we started, hoping that we have time towards the middle half to end of today's episode. But of course, another breaking thing happened. The second time that as we were on recording, or at least recording for the day, something breaking happened. First time it was the Tony D'Angelo situation when he was put on waivers. Now, now it is regarding the best player for the New York Rangers, as we know. So before we indulge and get into all that, how are you feeling to start your day? Um, doing pretty good. Started off slow, uh, as as Mondays usually are. Um, you know, there's not a lot of news coming out of New York until usually around 2 p.m. my time. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend called me at 4 p.m. my time, so 10 a.m. at the New York time. Uh, she works in the daycare center, so she starts relatively early. 10 a.m. is her lunch break. And usually we just chat. Um, and But today she called, and I immediately thought, okay, something bad happened. Um, so I answered, and she's like, Artemi Panarin. I'm like, well, what happened with Panarin? And then she mentioned Larry Brooks, and my first my first thought was, Larry Brooks is suggesting we trade Panarin for Jack Eichel because he's been writing about the Jack Eichel trade proposals for the last few days. That's been controversial to put it lightly. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then I ran went onto Twitter and, and found, I, I knew that there was a story a few days ago, didn't get a lot of traction. I didn't really think anything of it, but you know, of course we all know Artemi Panarin has been very vocal about the, political leader of the Russian Federation. Um, let's put it that way. And yeah, um, today Larry Brooks came out. He, he, uh, translate, he, he translated parts of the article that was, uh, that was posted two days ago and said that Artemi Panarin has taken a leave of absence. Yeah, and, and to even go further, Brooks said the following, actually. Panarin's taken a leave of absence from the Rangers in aftermath of political hit piece against him from Russia, alleging that he beat up an 18-year-old girl in Russia in 2011. So this is not a joke, first of all. Like, just any any type of any allegation you have to take with, you know, the most seriousness. But something like this, where it goes beyond the Rangers organization, and they were very quick, for the most part, to reply to this. As we know, the story really came out in early morning i believe eastern time it was right around 6 a.m at least for me it'll be different for you but um not long after we saw these reports from brooks the rangers came out with their statement yeah and the statement from the rangers was pretty clear uh also released very quickly after the news broke which is nice to see for once because the rangers are always taking their time when it comes to statements in the past Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, their statement reads, Artemi vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations in this fabricated story. This is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him for being outspoken on recent political events. Artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team. The Rangers fully support Artemi and will work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. A pretty strong statement yes. by the Rangers referring to it as a fabricated story and unfounded allegations. Um, and as they, the light of day to it. 
And as this article, this is based on a Russian article from two days ago, it might be that the Rangers knew about this yesterday or maybe even Saturday. Yeah. So they had some time to put this together. It wasn't something that they rushed, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the incident that is being uh, uh, thought, uh, talked about, uh, it uh, apparently something happened in Riga, Latvia, uh, not, not Russia, but uh, part, well, location of one of the KHL teams. Um, this was um, in 2011, so almost 10 years ago, December 2011. Uh, he played a game in Riga, KHL game, and apparently there's a story about him hitting an 18-year-old girl. Um, and according to the story, police was involved. Um, and with the dates that, that, that I know and the fact that the police was involved, it shouldn't take too long to track this down and to either confirm or deny that it actually happened. Yes. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say either one or the other. I'm not going to say that Panarin is guilty or innocent. I mean, I hope he's innocent, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure they'll look into this and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how long Panarin is away from the team, but it's just another in, in, in a line of unfortunate circumstances that Ranger fans have had to deal with in the last 12 months. Um, in the last 12 months, we've had the Shesturkin and Bujnevich car accident, then the Keandre Miller Zoom incident, then Lundqvist was bought out, which hit a lot of Ranger fans hard. Zibanejad yeah. was battling COVID and missed camp. Then the whole D'Angelo saga a couple of weeks ago, and now Panarin taking a leave of absence. It's just one after the other, it feels like. If we didn't win the draft lottery in October, it would have been 12 months from hell. At least we had that going for us, but... It's been a tough 12 months for Ranger fans. And, and you know, we already have Truba out four to six weeks. Uh, we've missed Hedl for three weeks already. Kako is on the COVID list. Now yeah. Panarin has taken a leave of absence. Um, it's not looking good. And, and honestly, the, the, the only the, the last thing this team needed was another distraction in the locker room. And this is not Panarin's fault. I'm not saying it's Panarin's fault, but it is still a distraction in the locker room. It is something that will impact the team. Hopefully they can rally around it, you know, as we've seen in 2014 when Martin St. Louis' uh, mother passed away, the, the team rallied around it and St. Louis scored that, that amazing goal on Mother's Day to uh, spark the comeback against the Penguins. So situations like this don't always have a negative effect on the team. It could be something that, that unites them. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But being without Panarin is going to be tough. Um the Rangers have played four games without Panarin since he signed and they've lost all four. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not looking too great um, to put it lightly. And I, I just want to add quick in regards to the Panarin situation, just give people some further information. I'm going to quote here from Molly Walker for the New York post, because she did a thorough breakdown um, earlier today at the time of recording this, right. Again, close to noon Eastern time. Um, staying how this was obviously all statements from um, Andre Nazarov, which is the former coach for Panarin, in which this has all been coming out from as the source. And that say that after a loss happened in Latvia, um, a 2 nothing to Dynamo, um, Panarin, along with some out- fellow teammates, went out and basically um, uh, at a hotel bar um, when uh, it was seen that an 18-year-old citizen of Latvia uh, was seen uh, to the floor with several powerful blows from Panarin, among other teammates. 
And then from everything that else that I'm seeing here from Molly Walker's statements, and you guys can check it out on Twitter or whatever. I don't know if she has a piece out on it yet. Um, but basically saying how um, one thing that I didn't want to make clear here was um, my last ob- observation from the article that in my personal opinion after reading it, and this is her personal opinion, there were a lot of shots taken at Panarin's character by Nazarov, which seemed to have a lot of personal feelings about it. And there are also other reports I'm seeing that Nazarov was reluctant, but has since been more... Um, um, forthcoming and wanting to get these reports out there after having disagreements with Panarin on his personal beliefs politically, his stance on the Russian government. Now, how truthful that is, I'm not sure. But again, the fact that you have the Rangers organization to come out with that type of bold statement as it is, basically saying that, yeah, we're not buying this for one second. We know that this is politically backed and it's a problem and that uh, Panarin is definitely fearing for not ju- just himself. He could be worried about his family to an extent because, again, th- this is beyond you know, hockey for the most part. This is a serious matter, um, whether these allegations are true or not. But to have the Rangers organization feel that comfortable saying that they aren't, again, I really pray to God that none of this is true, that it is all fabricated. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely like just such a jaw-dropping scenario, if you will. When I first came across all of this, and I'm still trying to unwrap it and figure it out, break it all down at the time of recording this, I'm still left kind of speechless that, like, wow, this actually happened. Panarin will probably be out for a decent amount of time. There, I, I have seen some reports to suggest it's at least two weeks. It could be more. If he's going anywhere outside, he's out of, like, the Rangers now, so he'll have to probably quarantine for two weeks at least, wherever he's going when he comes back. So, just as a hypothetical, I'm thinking at least a month, but is there anything that you'd like to add on that before we just continue to share our reactions on the situation um yeah i'm not going to go dive into it too deep um because i simply don't know enough about it i see some people on twitter already jumping to conclusions yeah, of course um, there was one person who retweeted a fact check that turned out to be incorrect it had some holes in it the fact check suggested that Panarin wasn't in Riga. Well, it took me two minutes to debunk that because he played the game in Riga that evening. Yeah, you just look it up like normal statistics. Go to the KHL website. You go to that season. You filter on uh, Vitya's uh, checkoff games, which is his team at the time. And you go to the game against Riga and you can see that he played in that game. So um, be, be careful when you retweet fact checks or when you retweet something. Um, there are a lot of social media as a whole. Hi. There are a lot of sources. And when it comes to Twitter, um, I'm just going to have to say it, you know, a, a, a blue check mark does not mean that everything that's tweeted by that person is correct. Oh, and you're preaching the choir, Stephen. And a person not having a blue check mark does not mean you should automatically discredit that information. There is a Latvian reporter, Ivis Kalnins, who used to work uh, close to the KHL. Um, he has reached out. He lives in Latvia. Mm-hmm. He's reached out to local authorities and to uh, the hotel where the alleged incident happened. And uh, the response he got from the hotel is that they do not remember such an incident happening. But, you know, like I said, if there's a police report, it should it should only take a couple of days for the Rangers to figure this out. Uh, there should be there should be paperwork to 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 either back this up or to debunk it. So. For the next couple of days, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what information comes up because I, I'll be the last person to jump to conclusions after seeing what happened with the whole D'Angelo story yeah. where, we had, where we had rumors about him uh, uh, 
puck, bullying yeah. Keandre Miller and stealing his goal puck and stuff like that. And I'm not going to get into that. You know, I'm exactly. just going to wait. I'm just going to wait for the facts and stay calm. And and I'm not going to get into uh, a pissing contest to be the first one to uh, to break the news on and and then. And then you know, days later, be be proven wrong. So yeah. be patient. It, it'll come out in the next couple of days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's kind of the least of my concerns. My my obvious concerns are okay. Once we find out all this information, um, you know, how safe is Panarin as a whole and his family? Because that that was kind of the first thing that I initially thought of in this situation. It sucks that you have to think of it that way, but at least there are fair reasons to be like, okay, it, what are the exact reasons why he's taking the leave of absence besides what we know currently? But yeah, no, in a nutshell, it absolutely sucks. It's a terrible situation. I hope nothing but the best for Panera and his family, and that hopefully that these allegations are not truthful by a stretch of the imagination. If they are, then obviously that's something to address on a different day. But now the Rangers don't have Redman, who's their best player. There is no doubt. Since he arrived with the Rangers a year and a half ago, he has been nothing short of a stud. It leads the team in 18 points in 14 games he has been remarkable mm-hmm. and even coming back from injury is still over a point per game like this guy just doesn't stop and as you said already er- earlier how the rangers without panarin aren't nearly as strong now you add in capo caco has been one of if not the best ranger forward at times throughout the season has gone stronger by the game who's still out on the COVID list currently and then you also have heedle as we know who was really flying uh up until he got hurt in that game i believe was that game against uh it was prior to the buffalo series um, so it's been, it's not been fun. And now true out too. uh, it sucks to put it lightly. I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat the situation currently. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on the Rangers, um, going forward? And before we kind of do a fairly quick recap on how their past three games have went this week. Um, moving forward, it's going to be rough. I mean, we're still, we still were missing true about for four weeks. Um, Kako is still on the COVID protocol list. Hedo was removed from the COVID protocol list, but he's still injured. So um, it'll it'll be tough. Um, and we have two games against the Bruins coming up. In my opinion, the best team in the East. I think they're better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, it's not going to be easy for the Rangers, and and hopefully they can they can rally around this. We've won two in a row, so maybe we can build on that. Even though we don't have Panarin, but yeah, this is just another distraction. Like I said, another distra- distraction for the team that will impact the way they approach, you know, the upcoming games. And, you know, with other Russian players like Shashchorkin and, and Buchnevich and Georgiev. And, yeah, I know he was born in Bulgaria, but he's Russian. He, he, yeah, he defines as Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has, he's dual citizen, so he's both Russian and Bulgarian. So I'll, I'll name him as a Russian in this case. The other three Russians on the team – will be impacted by this a little bit more than the rest of the team, I feel, uh, because it, it it impacts their heritage and they are linked to Panarin. So will this come back to affect their families in a way? Yeah. Who knows? You know, and this is, this is this all plays in the back of their heads. Um, so we'll see what happens. But my expectations weren't that high to begin with. Um, Prior to the season. Prior to the season and you know, with every distraction we've had to deal with, with our top six being absolutely horrible the first month, uh, they're finally waking up, which is nice, but with the top six being horrible the first month, I mean, it hasn't been a fun season so far for me. 
No, no. I, I'm all, I'm almost starting to get to the point where this season where I'm I'm looking forward to it reaching its end and really just excited about the upcoming season where I think we're going to see a lot more potential. But things need to change before then, regardless. Part of the rebuild, you have to go through all the highs and the lows, right? You can't. Just and that's and that's the thing. When you watch your team during a rebuild, you don't you don't watch for wins. You watch for positive. Yeah. You watch for progress. You watch for your young guys taking that next step. You know, reaching that next level, um, and we'll get to that in a minute when we recap the games this week. But that goal by Lafreniere on Saturday, beautiful, a big step, and such a big. I, I not to get on a tangent or anything, but the the wait by Panarin there to make sure the wait for the defenseman kind of get out yep. of the way, beautiful, yep. absolutely beautiful. Cool. We'll dive into that goal because I have some some good things to say about that that goal good. specifically. It's not going to be all negative here today at Rangers Review, no, right? No no, 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 no. There's still some positive. We did, win, we did win two out of three games, so I guess my prediction was wrong. Yeah, I I, I don't even know what mine was to be quite frank. I'm I'm assuming it wasn't um, completely accurate. However, well, it couldn't be because we predicted four games and the fourth one was uh, rescheduled. So yeah, no, no, that's true. Yep, and I, I which. Before we get into the recap, uh, one thing I want to say, and this is not Rangers related, but can we take a moment to appreciate how amazing the Lake Tahoe games looked? They looked amazing, but the first day, what was it, an eight-hour delay because of the sun? Yeah, no, that that was bad. It it would have been better to be a night night game in my opinion but i understand why they had it so you saw the the scenery was ridiculous mm-hmm. i mean if you can, if you can i would love to see more of that as long as you know you can actually you know go through the process and the bruins with their retro outfits prior to the games so, like everything the whole vibes were awesome in my opinion i especially the the backdrop was phenomenal it literally looked like a movie like it, i loved everything about it honestly and you know i've been to a winter classic i went to the winter classic we in were on the same one Against the Sabres. Yep. And I'm not even talking about the cold because it was really cold. Oh, I mean, terrible. I ended up in the hospital with hypothermia. That's how cold it was. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with the cold. My biggest problem was that it, it was done, it was done in a baseball stadium, first of all. It's not ideal. But you sit there, you pay three hundred and fifty dollars for a ticket, and you cannot even see the puck. You know, oh, it's I almost know. to follow the game. Why does the and, and this is what what I would like the NHL to do? And I already know it's not going to happen because it doesn't make them money. But New Year's Day, January first, have a game at Lake Tahoe or have two games in a row. You know, you have two games at Lake Tahoe. People can tune in. It's a beautiful scenery. Or do it in, in uh, just outside of Calgary at Banff. There's a be- It's a beautiful town in the mountains, the Canadian Rockies. This this is this is just perfect. This is great advertisement for the game. This is how you sell your product. Yeah, okay, you, you're not going to make millions of dollars off of fans that pay three hundred and fifty dollars a ticket to sit in a, a, a stadium that smells like urine, but it's it's nice. You know, New Year's Day, people sit at home. It'll be it, it can be the Rangers equivalent of Thanksgiving Day. What what the NFL has with Thanksgiving, you know, make it a whole event. Yeah, that's that's what I would do. Have like two different locations. You can have two games in a row, different locations, and you know it's it's beautiful. It was it was amazing. I wish the Rangers played in it because I saw some amazing photos. That if the Rangers were in it, I would have printed on canvas and 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 I would have displayed it on my wall in my living room. That's how beautiful it was. 
Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, the Winter Classic was awesome. It was freezing, like we said. But yeah, no. If if circuit if the environment could be maybe a little bit better, just easier way to see kind of how you propose. I'm not against that at all. You know, at least when it comes to outdoor games for the Rangers, anything going forward, knock on wood, things should be good. They're still undefeated right now. I believe what are they four zero in outdoor games? Actually, yeah, technically you're correct. They're undefeated in outdoor games. In don't, official. Say what, don't say what I think you're about to say. Are you going to say yeah. Mystery Alaska? No, they're undefeated uh, okay. in official outdoor games. Oh, okay. But in the early 90s, they played a preseason game outdoors against the LA Kings. And they lost that game. And they lost it. Yeah, it was against the Gretzky Kings. Okay, because I was going to say, like, I, I, I thought you were going to say fictional because it made me think of the movie Mystery Alaska. I haven't seen that movie, so no. Yeah, yeah. No. Check it out. It's a good movie, though. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, Rangers have been good, um, but I think it would be now a good segue to get into just a fairly quick recap on how they transpired this past week, because more of a positive than a negative. Um, obviously, you can't say the same now in regards to what's transpiring, but if you look at their game, uh, their 14th game all season, I believe, um, against the Devils, they get they just, they just were two steps behind, especially getting in that third period. They lose 5-2 in the process of really a heart-wrenching loss, and that is where all Ranger fans fell at an all-time low. That is where people who have been David Quinn's stands basically throughout the entirety of David Quinn's tenure as a Rain, as a Rangers head coach were finally gaining the turn of like, all right, we need to get rid of this guy. It was terrible. Granted, Panarin did not play that game, as we know, um, but still another another game where the Rangers simply did not have a drive whatsoever in the crunch time in the third period, especially. But then they bounced back against Philly, um, winning 3-2 in their 15th game this season. I believe it was during the middle of the week. Um, and that was a very strong outing. Yorgiev looked really strong in that game as well. Um, again, Colin Blackwell, I feel like, has just been an unsung hero for this team. Between him and Giuseppe, these depth guys are really coming in big. As we've talked about, maybe it's not necessarily the stuff we love to see when we would prefer our top prospects to really be more in the point column than some of the guys that don't necessarily have a long-term future. But no less, it's nice. I'm very happy to see that the Rangers gained the most out of um, a lot of these guys that really had a little expectations going into the season, especially Blackwell, right? But then getting on to the most recent game for the Rangers just the other night, the Rangers won 4-1 against the Capitals in a very impressive fashion. Uh, Igor Stunaz had had another great outing. Igor now in the season, I believe, has a 9.22 save percentage and is right around, I believe, a 2.2-something um, goals a lot average. So very strong numbers there. Uh, the Rangers are definitely looking like that they're taking a turn. Even with Kako out in that last game and going forward, I don't know how long he's going to be out going forward, but Panarin is still. So what are your initial thoughts on just what we saw with the Rangers the past week? Are you happy about them making progress in the one column? Are you a little worried because maybe that this gives more benefit of the doubt to Quinn with Panarin back, but at the same time, Panarin's gone now. So what are your initial thoughts about it all? Uh, well, the Devils game pissed me off. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's putting it lightly. That that was not a t- that was a tough old swallow. It's not even about losing 5-2. It's about losing to a team that hasn't played or practiced in two weeks. Let's be I, real. I know. Clear. Yeah. It's terrible. You, you play at home against a team that hasn't been able to practice or play a game in two weeks because their entire team was on the COVID list. And they come in and they beat you 5-2. And there's, just, there's just no excuse for this. Then they play the Flyers on Thursday. Um, they beat the Flyers in a shootout. I was happy with Kako being successful in the shootout. That was uh, a bright spot. But again, we were playing the Flyers who had not played a game in t- or practiced in 12 days because the majority of their team was on the COVID list. We played three games this week and two of those three were against team that had not played in two weeks. And 
to lose one of them and f- to win the other one in a shootout. I wish I could have seen a little bit more urgency from the team when you go up against an opponent that just hasn't had the rhythm that you've had as a team. Um, but you, you beat the Flyers in a shootout. You know, that was fun. Um, Panarin scoring, uh, Kako scoring. It was the first time in four years that Zibanejad did not uh, participate in the shootout while playing. Um, he was going to be the third shooter, but we didn't need him. But still, he didn't participate in a shootout. But the Flyers game, I think, uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with the win. I'm happy with the progress that Kako made, and and it was again another really strong game by him. Uh, and you get to the Capitals game where it was an early game for me. The game starts at 6:30 p.m. my time, and I was excited until I saw Kako was on the COVID list, and I was like. Do I really want to watch this? I mean, you know, Truba's out. Um, Kako is not playing. And I, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch the game and hopefully Lafreniere does something. And oh my God, did he do something? Yeah. Um, I think it was a power play goal. Was it? Um, let me double check. That's actually a good question. I'm not sure if it was, but I think it was. Anyway, um, there was a sequence it, there. Um, it was not a power play call. Okay, okay. Um, it feels like it was because he had so much time in I front know. of the net. He was, he was out. He was in the. He was out open with like no one near him for a full three seconds. Um, by the time the puck came, he was able to, without thinking, move it to his backhand and roof it over. Who was in that? Was it Vanacek? I think so. Yeah. Uh, roof it over Vanacek. Um, and that was a really good game for players that needed goals. Kreider got his first goal in five games. Strong got his first goal in, what, seven? Uh, Lafreniere's first goal in eight, I think. Zibanejad his first goal in 13. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good game. Hopefully that's the confidence that we can build on. But unfortunately, then the Panarin thing happened. Uh, but when I look at this team... I want four players or five players to just play well and progress. It's just Jorkin, Fox, Miller, Lafreniere, and Kako. Those are the only five I care about at this point because Panarin is already what he what he can be. Um, those five need to progress. And um, Kako, we talk about his shootout winner, but I want to talk a little bit about what he did in overtime. How he and I shared that video on Twitter, and it was yep. quite popular video of his sequence where he had the puck in three-on-three overtime for a good 45 seconds, and nobody could get him off the puck. And when he was skating around like that, it brought me back to the Traverse City tournament in 2019 when he did that against the Minnesota Wild. The and, wraparound goal. And there were shades of Jager when he when he's on the puck, and, and he's so difficult to get off the puck when, when, he's in, when he's in his element. And this is the Kako that I've watched in Finland at TPS. This is the Kako with confidence. It uses his body. It shields the puck, and it's really difficult to get off the puck. And he's only he only turned twenty a week ago. So, I know. Um, yeah. And then Lafreniere scoring against the Capitals, great. Keandre Miller back in the lineup. Adam Fox uh, in one of these games, uh, the game against the Flyers, playing over thirty minutes. Uh, which was the most time on ice in a single game by a player since Dan Girardi in 2014. Um, so Adam Fox breaking records too. Um, You'll love to see it. 
it's on the one hand, it's nice. On the other hand, I wish we had a little bit more trust in our bottom pair of defensemen. Oh, for so sure. So we wouldn't have to have to ride a defenseman for 30 minutes. When Niels Lundqvist played 28 minutes and 17 seconds for the Swedish national team, I had no idea he wouldn't be the, the, the Rangers player with the highest time on ice in a single game this month. Yeah. Yet he was. Mm-hmm. So uh, Adam Fox is uh, really good. I just don't... My minor criticism about Adam Fox is that I don't really like him on the power play. I know. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a bit. Um, I want to say, though, about uh, Foxy, if that was the Flyers game, wasn't that the game Miller was still out, correct? So that's why they had Johnson in. I think so. Yeah, Johnson is yeah. in. Yeah, that uh, that bottom pair on paper didn't look too pretty either. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking at, looking at the team, um, looking at the power play, the first power play unit finally got a goal against the Capitals, which is nice. I know. It felt like forever. It really did. Only took them four, four weeks, I think. Um, I just hope that they can build on this. And I've been saying this for weeks on Twitter. When, when, when you're on the power play, you have to move around. Don't just stand there. And that was the first time they were moving around and the shooting lanes open up. So hopefully they can build on this. The second power play unit got a goal against the Flyers. So special teams is buzzing. That's great. Now we just need, hopefully, Zibanejad, Strom, and Kreider to build off of the goals they scored and hopefully regain their form because I'm going to share something with you that I researched and found elsewhere. But sure. I was going to tweet this today until the whole Panarin thing happened. I don't think people are waiting for this but are, are happy to read this now. But um, Mika Zibanejad is on pace for 20, point, 20 and a half points based on 82 games. Mm-hmm. compared to 107 points based on 82 games last season. Yeah. That would be a negative differential of 87 points. I know. That's the, a big the, big, the biggest drop-off in points in a single season is 34. And it was Bill Barber in 77 um, when he went from uh, – Um, yeah, I think he, he he went from 87 uh, to 53. Okay. So I'm going to save that one for tomorrow. So if people see that tweet pop up, then you know what's what's coming. But um, yeah. unless Sabanajad really picks it up, he's going. To, he's on pace now for the biggest drop-off in points by a single player uh, with minimum 70 games played. So, aye, aye. It's, Yeah, no, that's not good. Between that, between the Lafreniere statistics, uh, you know, he's looking like the worst first overall pick points-wise through this amount of games for the first time in literally decades. Uh, still better than Joe Thornton and Vinny LeCavalier. Okay, well, there you go. At least that's something, right? You know, I'll take that any day of the week. Those those two players are pretty solid, I would say, right? Um it's not about how you start; it's how you finish. I mean, oh, absolutely. I'm again. I'm not pointing stock. Are you kidding? I'm wearing a Laffy. I have Laffer near newspapers behind me. If I didn't have stock in him, still, you would know. You know, one player I would like to talk about quickly when sure. it comes to Lafreniere uh, is Temu Salani. Yes. Oh, Temu- I, I know you're gonna go for it. I know you're gonna say. You know what I'm gonna say? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pull up his page, and I'm going to get the exact numbers. 
Temu Solani in his rookie season had 67 goals Chuck and 100, 132 points in his rookie season. He never nope. came close to breaking either record. He set his career single season records for goals and points in his rookie season. His second highest goals uh, was 51. His second highest in points, or sorry, 52. His second highest in points was 109. So, Tim Muslani is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's, but he, he's amazing. But for some reason, he never managed to eclipse the numbers he put up in his rookie season. Yeah, it, it's almost like maybe when he broke on the scene, just by taking uh, educated guesses here, that uh, teams really didn't know what to expect with Timo coming in, this flying fin. And then, yeah. you know, he just takes a role by storm his rookie year. And then yeah. he, he, I shouldn't even say he gets humbled a bit. You know, he still had a phenomenal career going forward. It was just, it, as you already said, it, it never lived up to the hype of what he originally yeah. was from his first and yeah, he He made his NHL debut at age 22, I think. Um, so he was a little bit older than Lafreniere, but I'm not here to, I'm not trying to compare Solani to Lafreniere. I'm just saying that people always expect a, a rookie season to define a player. But if you look at Neil Yakupov, yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had a good rookie year in a shortened season and he was, he was out of the league. And I think five years, five or six years later, he was out of the league. So, yep. Um, patience. Uh, Lafreniere got a second goal. Um, I have my issues with Lafreniere's production, but I don't blame Lafreniere for it. I, I, I think, think he's yeah. still the most talented player in the draft. And Tim Stutzler in Ottawa is having a great season, and I'm a big Tim Stutzler fan, but I wouldn't trade him one for one. I wouldn't trade Lafreniere one for one for Tim Stutzler right now. I, Alexi Lafreniere is still the best player in the draft, and Hopefully, we will see a uh, a spike in production once this coach allows him to play his own game. Because that's my biggest criticism of, of our head coach, is that he doesn't allow players to play their own game. It's like he coaches them as if they're college kids, yeah. if that makes sense. No, we, we've been over this before, but you're absolutely right. The more that I've thought about it as I've been um, watching his in-game adjustments and just his approach to the players, like – as we talked on plenty, but just to reiterate, regards to Kako, seeing him show out as much as he has, maybe not so much in the point column, but with his overall play the past you know couple of weeks, that has all been in hand with him actually gaining longer leash and then finally coming to a realization that, hey, the only way to get Kako where we want him to be is to truly let him be himself, and then we fine-tune and try to tweak things that we see as best fit during those moments. Lexi, I feel it's awfully reminiscent of what we're seeing with Kako. Even though I will say Kako's rookie year, a lot of different factors went in him playing as long as he did. He didn't have as much time off the way Laffy did going into the season among others. So Kako had a lot going against him. But to see Lafreniere on a very similar trend as Kako in his rookie year is telling that we're seeing a similar system here. And I would hope for Laffy's sake that he gets very similar treatment now to what Kako is getting. And the same with a lot of these other guys that are supposed to beat big impact players in your top six, like a Panarin, like Izbanejad. Yes, he's not on their level yet, but the whole belief is that he will be able to get there, hopefully within these coming years, if not sooner 
So the easiest way to do that is to put him in the best situations, not have him out gain bottom for your minutes. Again, his minutes have been fluctuating so much in each and every game. Again, there's just so much uncertainty with these young guys in the lineup. And I think that as in connection, what you've been saying has been driving me um, the most mad, I would say. Because yes, you have to discipline these guys. You can't just give them all the ice time in the world if they're not deserving. Yes, I get it. But you draw a line somewhere, okay? And if you look at the system that Ottawa has implemented with their young guys, like a lot of them are really standing out, in my opinion. But this is a team where they are, in fact, on a full rebuild, where you can tell they're on a full rebuild. They're going to get blown out. But even if they get blown out, say they lose 8-4, those four goals are coming from a lot of their young studs that are either rookies or they're in their, or they're in their sophomore season. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah, and, Go and, ahead. and looking at the Ottawa Senators, I, 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 I'm not saying Tim Stutzler is a better player or... You know, it's just not true, but he's playing more exciting hockey at the moment than Alexi Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. Tim Stutzler is noticeable if you watch the Ottawa Senators. And Ottawa Senators are an awful team. You know, they're going to be bottom two, bottom three this season. They're going to get another high draft pick because their team just isn't good. But their young guys are actually getting the opportunity to play their own their own game. And yeah, defensively, they have some lapses and... And I think Lafreniere is better defensively than Tim Stutzler, but boy, do I enjoy watching Tim Stutzler more than Lafreniere so far this season. I hate to say it as a Rangers fan, um, but you can't hope- you can't blame yourself for having that stance right now. You know, he's he's in better opportunities too, but he's just he's yeah. he looks comfortable. He looks comfortable in the sense of Lafreniere looks like he's in he should be in the league. No doubt, he has the size, he has the ability, mm-hmm. but in regards to certain hesitations being too passive, maybe feeling that he's not in the wrong place um, at the wrong time. All those kind of yeah. factors, I think, are more he pleasant. He makes the safe life. play. He, he, it's like he's being pushed to make the safe play, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, he, lo- he, lo- he looks the equivalent to – I could just take myself, for instance. When I first first saw a scene with a certain team um, playing a sports, because my biggest sport growing up was especially soccer, I excelled at as I played in more competitive leagues and travel among those. When I was the youngest kid coming in, because I would be a lot of times, I'm normally playing with guys two, three, even four years older than myself um, in travel. One of the first things that I always looked at was, okay, just try to do all you can to make sure that you have a place on this team. You know, um, I would love to show out, but I was given limited minutes like no tomorrow. So whenever yeah. I was out there, I either tried to get, I gave my all, but at the same time, I also was very hesitant. I was very passive. I wasn't as explosive as I was when I was coming from my previous league. It was my previous league. I was one of the older kids on the team. I was really, the, you know, when you thought of the team, you thought of me, that type of situation. Now you come in this new group. Everyone is at least at your level, if not bad, if not better. So it completely diminishes your confidence to an extent when you know that things are really at an all-time high with making sure that you better be performing or you're simply not going to get the ice time. I kind of see those similarities to an extent with laughing, just try to make sure that he does more right than wrong. But at the same time, because of that, it is leading him to do more wrong things than right um, mm-hmm. in regards to taking full advantage of the limited opportunities he has. Yeah, yeah, and and when it comes to Lafreniere, I'll, I'll say this. Um when you watch the Rangers and when you watch the Senators and the Red Wings, the Rangers are a better team. The Rangers play an overall better game. But when I look at the Senators and the Red Wings, it's like they do the basics right, at least. And that's uh, what Red I'm saying. Red Wings, I don't know how – I feel a lot more comfortable with Ottawa than I do Red Wings. But I understand your point. No, no, but my point is I don't really see that when it comes to the Rangers. When they have the power play – 
I mean, I, I knew this as a kid. I didn't even play hockey, but yeah. I have to move around. I played soccer when I was a kid. I grew up in Europe. When the other team had a red card or when I was playing rugby, when the other team had a yellow card, which is a sin bin, you have to go off the field for 10 minutes. You have a man advantage. <laughs> the trick is to always keep moving because eventually they cannot keep up. It's the same in the NFL. You know, wide receivers have to keep moving. You, know, you make a second move and a third move and a fourth move, and eventually you'll be open. But our the Rangers' power play is just static. There's one guy on the left, one guy on the right, one guy in front of the goal. There's one guy in the middle who's sort of skating back and forth, and then Adam Fox at the blue line who has the puck. There's just It's not dynamic enough. It's static. And when you look at the Red Wings, when you look at the Senators – when they are on the power play, they their power play moves. You know, it's always they're always rotating, and it's so much more difficult to 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 defend. And when it comes to zone entries, that's this is something that annoys me about the Rangers as well. I was actually uh, I stopped count when I got to eight, but five minutes into the game against the Capitals, I counted eight times where the Rangers dumped the puck the moment they got to the blue line, and. It's just it's so frustrating to watch because I see other teams just skating into the zone and keep possession of the puck, and that's how you get pucks on the net. That's how you start your offense. And it's like the Rangers to start off the game; they always go for the safe option, like low risk, high reward situations, if anything. Or in the Rangers' case, low risk, no reward, because there is there is no reward for for dumping it in dumping it behind the net and going for a line change. There is no reward for that because all of a sudden you're 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 on you're on the defense again. And I know you cannot always skate it into the zone. There has to be a little bit of a balance, but it, it doesn't feel like the Rangers have that balance. It feels like the Rangers dump it more than they actually try to make a play. Yeah. I mean, no, you're you're exactly right. And it, it sucks because especially with a rebuilding team like this, when you see other teams rebuilding and not far off from where you are where on paper you still have the better team even with some injuries out and they just they still just look a loss your top six is is still struggling yes they're starting to connect more which is great but again what we talked about in regards to referring to Tortorella in the past where you know this team is definitely it's so team first that's to the point where it's a little unbearable for a team that needs these guys to blossom and develop it's hard for certain players to develop, especially when they're either a rookie, a top rookie, or a sophomore, just a couple years in the league, like a Libor Hayek, for instance, who's been in and out of the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't been doing terrible, these are just examples because you bring them into this system and you kind of demand that reinforce say, yes, the system needs to be this way. So the there's a lack of creativity. You know, um, there's just everyone is in this yes team focused mode, and there isn't. Uh, it doesn't look like there, there's many voices voices really reaching out there saying, yes, let, let's try this. Let's mix things up a little bit. The only guy that I feel like is capable of, that has been doing that is Panarin. And coincidentally, you see Panarin as not just one of the best players in the league, the best player on the Rangers by, you know, a lot. It's not even close, especially mm-hmm. right now. Panarin's just been on another level. But what has Breadman been so good at doing? Being himself, his game. You know, and um, he's established now, but especially with the younger guys, it just, I really hope for their sake and, and Lafreniere, Kako still, among any others, I say having this slow start that they're just given the right opportunities and that they're, they are truly allowed to be themselves. Because if they aren't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I wonder what would Lafreniere be doing right now if he was in Ottawa? What would and, that's be- thing. And, and that's the yeah. thing that I said as well. And I know it's, it's, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Don't take this too seriously, but 
I, I sometimes wonder if 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 a rookie Connor McDavid would play on this team, would he get forty points? I don't know. I I know. Yeah, again, and it sucks that it's one of those situations you're never going to have the answer to, but it just leaves your mind running mad because if you're even questioning it, then there is somewhat uh, something wrong, I would say, to an extent. I would not put money on a hypothetical scenario where rookie McDavid plays on the Rangers and puts up 40 points. I wouldn't put money on it. And 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 that's telling of just how um, much concerns we have at this point in time, I would say, with on the process of what is proper and, development and what is and working we, out we with IRA to, developed. We need to let Lafreniere play his game because this is what got him to the point where he is now. This is what got him to be the first overall pick. This is what made him the MVP at the World Juniors in his draft year. Let him play his own game. He's not the type of player that just skates to the red line, dumps the puck and goes for a line change. No, he makes things happen. And it's not just his technique. It's not just the, the you know, the, the the technical part of the game, but he adds that physicality that, in a way, I guess Lemieux has, but he's just 100 times more technical than Lemieux. Um, it's really difficult to find a comparison for Alexis Lafreniere. Um, I mean, who do you compare him to? Physicality, maybe Ovechkin. Ovechkin doesn't shy away from a hit here or there. Mm-mm. Um, I, I honestly have a hard time finding a comparable comparison for Alexis Lafreniere. And that, and that's a good thing at the same time. I know that it's he good, hasn't necessarily been producing all that much, but I like the uniqueness to Laffy's yeah. game. And I'm excited to see what we saw in years leading up to this point. Same thing with Kako finally looking like what he did with TPS Turku. Like we're actually seeing that now. It's exciting. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing the same thing happen with Lafreniere. We all just hope for his sake and the team's sake, it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, but I have uh, forever given up on the possibility of a New York Ranger winning a Calder. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, not anytime soon, right? It's not going to happen. No. Not this year, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Not in my lifetime. Not in your lifetime. Oh no, <laughs> Stephen. No, <laughs> I'm, right. not, I'm not that. I'm not that old. But it's it's frustrating, you know. You have Sestjorkin and Fox and Kako and Lafreniere, and he, I mean, it's so it's so annoying to see other prospects flourish in the in the NHL. Yeah, I know Niels Hoglander is 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 a year older than. And Lafreniere and Caprizov is twenty three, and but but Tim Stutzla is is probably ahead of Lafreniere when it comes to the Calder ranking, and mm-hmm. it's just frustrating because the Rangers haven't. I looked it up last week. How many accolades the Rangers have, both as a team as individually, since nineteen ninety four? It's depressing. I, I know, I know, it really is, but. You know, it, it it is what it is at the end of the day. All, all I can hope for is that in regards to prospect development. And, you know, the Rangers do get a number one pick again within um, hopefully not anytime soon, just in the sense of things are trending upward. Um, I would have mind another one this summer. But... This, su- this summer is an exception. After this summer is where it's like, okay, we have an uh-huh. issue. We're still getting top three, top five picks. And- I don't want the Rangers to win today. I want the Rangers. Oh, let's let me let me rephrase. I know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't want the Rangers to win a game today. I want the Rangers to win a cup tomorrow. Yeah. And for that to happen, we need to build the right way. And 
if we get another top five pick, that's not going to hurt us in the long run. This team is still a year or two away from from contending, so we're good. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think with saying that, would I think now is a perfect time to segue um, before we kind of wrap things up with just the upcoming three games and just giving our quick predictions. I thought it'd be now a good time. We'll try to hit every single question that people have asked for our first mailbag, as long as that's fine with you. Um, we don't have to go too deep in it all of them. Just basically a simple, quick. Um, I'm going to read the questions and then we'll answer them as we go here as we are approaching um, almost the 50 minute mark in, t- in uh, the episode today. So is that good with you? Yeah, sure. All right, sweet. Okay, so change this mailbag, and I'll start off with the first questions. It's only fair to the first people that comment on your Twitter uh, post over the past couple of days. Uh, Mr. Pod says through Twitter, with a bid for Eichel next year and Rangers seemingly analytically um, taking a step forward, do you think next year we see significant jump towards contender, and I don't mean just playoffs? My initial response to that is no. I think playoffs is something at this point in time that should be realistic for next season, but to say that you're going to be a Stanley Cup contender next year, even with Eichel, feels fairly far-fetched in my mind. You have a lot more developing to do. So what's your um, initial take here? Playoffs? Um, <laughs> what do you mean playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> First thing that popped in my head when I heard playoffs. Playoffs. Um, I think the Rangers will be a uh, a playoff team next year, with or without Eichel. I think our young guys will develop. Panarin will still be young enough. Truba is really getting into his own now. Now that Brady Shea's gone, um, and it's it's almost impossible for the Rangers to have a start as bad as this year again, right? Yeah. No, so no I, think, right. I, think we'll make, I think we'll make the playoffs with or without Eichel. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of trading for Jack Eichel, and it has nothing to do with Eichel. It has everything to do with how much it will cost to acquire him. That's fair. I would much rather go after a guy like Alexander Barkov, who's a free agent in 2022. So if the Florida Panthers are unable to sign him to an extension, they might want to trade him to get at least something back. Um, Give me a Barkov and Kako line any day of the week. Panera and Barkov and Kako on the same line? Disgusting. Give me that, yes. Barkov is probably, after Couturier and Bergeron, the third best two-way center in the league. Oh, yeah, he's he's up there. He's been consistent, for sure. Uh, I um I, I don't I actually don't know maybe someone else um questioned about Barkov too so we'll just roll around but yeah I think regardless the uh, the Rangers are in a far better situation to make playoffs uh, with or without Eichel but if they do land Eichel for the upcoming season then yes there's plenty of optimism to at least make playoffs and go from there I'm just not and I could I could see them win a playoff round I don't see them going I don't see them being cup contenders I don't see them making the final four no and I think that's fair right now it's hard to look at that right now. When this is all hypothetical too. Um, But next question here from Barbecue Master or Michael at his handle. How he spelled it was a little iffy for me to understand. But uh, do you feel like there are similarities in the adjustments a French-Canadian player must make coming to the Rangers as the average European player? And I'll let you just answer that one because I I know you have good takes. So make it short and sweet. That's a a really good question, actually. I did not expect that one. Um, I think the adjustment um, is... It's a big adjustment for anyone. It doesn't matter if you move from Quebec, from Finland, or from a little town in Texas. If you move to New York, it's going to be an adjustment. Um, I think speaking the language is is a little bit easier. And French-Canadian 
people do speak English, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure Alexi Lafreniere speaks English. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think the language barrier is, is as big as it is for European players, someone from Finland or Russia specifically. Uh, I think it just depends on the country. I know Swedish players tend to adjust quickly because they, I mean, this, this is not just, you know, in the NHL. Um, Swedish players, when in football, in soccer, when they move to England or Germany or Italy or the Netherlands or France, they are always touted as the guys who adjust the quickest, they have no adjustment issues. When there are adjustment issues, it's usually something um, something different. It's not necessarily adjusting to the environment. Yeah, I think before, that's true. Before we get Leah Anderson discussions, uh, uh-huh. that, was, that was something more on a personal level that happened. But I think the adjustment for a French-Canadian is slightly easier than the adjustment for a European because you're in the same continent. Canada and the United States have a lot of similarities. I feel like you're just bound to be around more of the English language as a whole. I mean, granted, I I can't, I'm not going to speak for people that live in Quebec and Montreal, but I know that at least from everyone that I've interacted with, that is in fact, French Canadian. They all know English. They just have, you know, it's like, it's equivalent to being like Spanish American where, you know, both, you know, it's Mm -hmm. something along those lines. But again, I'm not going to speak for people that actually reside there and know what it's like day to day life. Cause I simply don't know. Look, and when I was 21, I moved to South Africa. I know the adjustment you have to make moving to a different continent where society is completely different. And I think the jump from Canada to the United States or vice versa is a lot smaller than someone jumping from Europe to North America. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but let's get on to the next question now from Dan Detto at New York uh, Dan Detto on Twitter. Um, I continue to look forward to um, at this team and the makeup of the roster moving forward. And again, these questions are prior to the Panera news. So let's make that clear. Um, uh, where are the casualties going to come for once guys like Kratzov, Lundqvist, Baron Robertson, Schneider, Jones, um, Panyunemi, et cetera, are looking to crack the roster. Um, I'm going to, I think I can answer this one pretty quick as you can too, but one, there's no guarantee that all these guys are even going to crack the roster for the Rangers. They're all in good um, projections as of right now to be a New York Ranger one day. Um, and Kratzov, when you're looking at the right wing, it's basically um, what is the future of Julian Gauthier? Um, that is a guy that stands out to me. Um, he's a guy that uh, is on a short leash by the Rangers, as we know that they would like to hopefully be a solidified part of the top nine going forward, but he has not done that to date, or at least Quinn has not really labeled that as such. So I think he's a guy that stands out for sure. Um, Kreider is a guy that I could see down the line possibly being dealt, but I just don't see it anytime soon when you look at his contract. And I think he may very well be the next captain of the Rangers. Um, so in regards to Kratzov, in regards to Lundqvist, the, oh, the, the door is right open. You know, with Tony D out of the picture now, all there's all the room in the world for uh, him to crack on that right side. So not worried there because guys like Jack Johnson, Brendan Smith will be off the books at the end of the season. And Lieber Hayek is really just a filler right, for right now. I'm not going to say he has a long-term future with the team currently. Um, how Even though he hasn't looked terrible, uh, Morgan Barron is a guy that will have a chance to compete for the bomb spot. I could see him for, um, you know, at least another year or so, basically bouncing between the AHL and the NHL. He's either mm-hmm. going to make that jump or he's simply not going to make that jump. Um, so he has an uphill battle given the guys around him and in front of him and behind him too. They're not far off either. Matthew Robertson is a guy that should the Rangers not deal in a bigger, bigger trade because I know that he's been toyed with in hypotheticals. Um, I think he could very well crack this roster, especially when you look at the defenseman gone. Robertson won't crack the Rangers probably for another year, at least if I had to imagine. Um, Zach Jones is a guy that's a bigger question mark. Jones very well will either be with the Wolfpack. 
for the upcoming season, or he could have a similar camp to Miller per se and really go lights out and bam, he's on the he's on the bottom pair. But he's going to begin be competing. So I don't think it's as much casualties with those guys as it is really just proving themselves. When you look at the Rangers roster currently constructed, you have a lot of expiring contracts coming up, especially on defense, where I feel that it's going to be a big battle. And you're going to see guys that either uh, stay in the HL for a couple of years until they find a spot they're either dealt or that they simply don't develop properly. Um, and Pani Nemi's another situation where um, should he be in a situation where he comes to North America, I don't necessarily expect him to crack the Rangers lineup right away. I think I could see him maybe one year in the AHL. Um, is there anything you want to add on to that quick before we get on to the more questions? Um, I think what's important here is um, the salary cap. Um, when you have a guy like Kravtsov knocking on the door, you have Bojnevich, who is a restricted free agent, and you have other players that are uh, due for a raise, you have to make tough decisions. Um, 2015 was another year where the Rangers had to make a tough decision. They had already extended Mark Stahl and they had as restricted free agents, Carl Hagelin and Derek Stepan. Unfortunately, uh, Derek, or for Carl Hagelin, he was a casualty of that because they didn't have the cap space to sign him. So they traded him for... um, Emerson Edom, I think. Yeah. Hagelin, yes. Emerson Edom, and there was a draft pick in there. And a second-round pick, I think. Uh, This is what what the Rangers – this is what can happen to some of the Ranger prospects. And as excited as I am about all these prospects, and I've spoken to a bunch of them for my interview series, guys like Zach Jones, uh, Niels Lundqvist, um, Hunter Skinner, um, you you, you just don't know who's going to – who's going to stick around and who's going to, to leave. Over the last few years, we've seen uh, big trades where prospects are being sent to other teams. Um, we had the Matt Duchesne trade where that saw uh, Samuel Girard end up in Colorado. It's not like Colorado needed another stud defenseman, but hey, they got one. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. The Rangers traded Anthony Duclair in the in the Keith Yandel trade. It happens. Yep. Um, the Washington Capitals probably still the dumbest trade of the last 20 years, gave up Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. Um, I know. know. Wasn't that something? Yeah. My ideal trade would be a Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones type trade where you trade from position of strength to address a big weakness. And as much as I like Niels Lundqvist and I don't want to trade him, a trade that I would be totally on board with is one where we send him to Anaheim for For Trevor Trevor Zegers. And Anaheim and, isn't doing that. They're, they're, and, uh, Anaheim, is, <laughs> Anaheim is probably not doing it. It has nothing to do with the value because I think the value is on point. It's just that they need centers as much as they need defensemen, but maybe a trade to the LA Kings for Alex Turcotte. And it might not be Nils Lundqvist. Maybe Matthew Robertson is part of a deal like that where they trade Matthew Robertson and maybe a pick to the LA Kings for Alex Turcotte. So the Rangers having this this prospect pool uh, is great, and not everyone will make the team. Some will be used as trade chips. Some might not reach their potential. It happens. Sometimes kids never never really get out of the AHL. Um, it's just it's an exciting time to be a Rangers fan because it's it's like going to the casino, going to the roulette table. If you have thirty different chips that you can put on the table your chances of winning are a lot bigger than when you only have four of them. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. Um, so. Yeah, no, great response. But getting on to another question, um, let's see here. Wow, this is a, a funny um, comment. Uh, what are your thoughts on Panarin opting out for the rest of the season? And I, this was earlier today, so my assumption is that this was just because of the whole Panarin uh, situation that we know. So I just I thought that was funny. Um, thought, uh, we kind of addressed this, but I'll just reiterate quick thoughts on Lieber Hayek. According to um, um, uh, C. Uh, Fajan, or, um, feel like he's a young defenseman that flies under the radar. Does he have a future with the team? Um, I think long-term future, no. Uh, short-term future, yes. I think I think Hayek has looked um, basically the best that we've seen out of him uh, since his first year with the Rangers when he called up for like a game or two before he got that significant injury. Um, but yeah, long-term future-wise, I don't think Hayek has a whole lot there just with the type of prospects that are very much going to be up and coming in the next year or two on the left side. And again, it depends on... This is where the salary cap comes in again. Yeah. If you can keep Hayek on the team for the next two, three years and pay him less than a million a year, you do it. Mm -hmm. If he suddenly takes a step or two and he demands two and a half million a year, you trade him because you're not going to have a guy on the third pair who earns two and a half million a year. This is how teams like the New York Islanders and the Montreal Canadiens in the past got into trouble because they would pay three, four million for a fourth line winger. They would pay two, three million for a third pair defenseman. And the Rangers cannot afford that. So this is where the system, the prospect pool comes into play. When a player is earning too much for the role he plays, you move on from him and you replace him with someone new. The Rangers did it with Hagelin. Haglin got $4 million a year from Anaheim in 2015. The Rangers could not afford it and should not have paid $4 million for a bottom six winger, which he basically was after that. So that was the right move as much as it hurt. And Hayek, I think he's good enough to be a third-pair defenseman in the NHL. I don't think he's the Rangers' best option on the third pair, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy by the name of Tarma Ronanen who's kind of knocking on the door as we speak. But I take that Tarma- as you will. Yeah, yeah. Tarmo Reunanen to me is is already better than Hayek because he played better hockey in a better league against better teams. It's that simple. Hayek struggled to hold his spot in the Czech league earlier this season. Yeah, it was a bit of a red flag to me. Mm-hmm. It, it is nice. It is nice to see he, Hayek performing well currently. At least. He is possibly he has positively surprised me so far in the uh, handful of NHL games he's played. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, next question here is from Brody, who is a, a loyal subscriber here on my channel. Uh, so first of all, Brody, thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate that uh, so much, my friend. And getting on to your question now, um, he asks, what do you think the Rangers need most before their cup contenders? Another good center, uh, simply a few seasons experience or something else. Uh, okay, thank you so much again, Brody, for the kind words. I appreciate you. And to answer that, um, well, they need structure. Um, I think before anything else, they need um, not just and uh, really another supporting center, whether that's a top line or a top six one, it really goes in hand with how Mika plays for the remainder of the season going forward. But you just need structure more than anything. Um, I think the biggest issue currently is this actual system that we have in place. 
Um, yes, experience will help. And as the Rangers get more into being playoff and then actual Stanley Cup contenders, they will have guys further developed and they'll have a good mix, I would imagine, of this core group, but also some veteran leadership, if you will. Um, but what do you agree with me in saying that probably the most important thing to get them to that next step more than anything is really structure within the organization and within this coaching staff? I, we definitely need a center with Sabanajet being a free agent in 2022. And I'm not really sure if the Rangers are comfortable committing to a long-term deal with him at that age. Um, so they would need a, they would, they would probably target a center. Um, but I think what the Rangers also need is more experience behind the bench. Um, they need to be able to play more than one system and uh, nothing against Quinn personally. I met the, I met the guy. He's a, he's a great guy, but it just feels like he's in over his head sometimes when he's behind the bench. Um, and it's, we just need some more experience, someone who actually isn't afraid to adjust on the fly. Um, some of the games we played this season, we started off great, and then the opponent adjusts to our style, and all of a sudden we cannot even cross the, the red line anymore. And there's no adjustment. There's no second or third gear that this team has. You know, it's just trying the same thing over and over again until you get a lucky bounce. And that's how most of our goals have happened this season. You know, it's just, just shoot and hope for a lucky bounce. That's not how you win games. That's how you luck into some games and get a false sense of uh yeah almost like a false positive if that makes sense yeah no i i agree yeah i think i i like quinn a lot i still do um long term i'm not sure if he's going to be the guy to help get the rangers Uh, this is his third season this is his third season after the season he's been here three years i think we i think quinn will not be here much longer and that's not necessarily because of Quinn it's just how the Rangers operate and since the 1940s only one coach has been behind the bench for five full seasons in a row and that was Elaine Fio. yeah yeah no I, I agree so, yeah exa- exactly um, make of that what you will what's that what did make you of that what you will about a coach shelf life oh, oh yeah yeah no exactly there's been a trend so we'll see if that trend continues or not um, but now getting on yeah. to another comment here from Pete Thomas uh, through uh, YouTube. Um, should Quinn continue to put Laffy on the off wing as long as he's on the same line with Panarin? Well, we all kind of know the answer to that question, at least for the short-term future with no bread man. Um, I think that one bread man in the last, and granted, he, he commented that before the Panarin situation too. Um, but yeah, no, I think yeah. with Panarin, I think that's fine because Panarin definitely helps elevate Lafreniere's game. And that was evident in the game against the Capitals as well. Um, he, he's a guy that is comfortable being on both the left and the right wing. It does make you wonder if constantly seesawing though, with those positions can be a further impact on his, um, lack of point production or development to an extent at this point in the season. But I think him on the right wing, um, is not hurting his, um, ability to perform and get the best out of him along Panarin on that same wing. Let's put it that way. It, de- it depends on who he plays with. Yeah. And 100%. this is something that has come up when I interview our prospects. Um, some some wingers are comfortable playing the other side as long as they don't have to be stapled to that side. Um, if you would put Lafreniere on the right wing on the same line as Chris Kreider, I think it would be a problem because Chris Kreider is a very traditional left winger 
who doesn't really who doesn't really move away from that side of the ice. Um, someone like Artemi Panarin is much more dynamic. He he moves left to right. He has a lot of lateral movement in his game. He doesn't just stick to one side like Chris Kreider does. And that could definitely benefit uh, Alexis Lafreniere, who has a similar style. If you look at the highlights when he played for uh, Rimouski Oceanic or for Canada at the World Juniors, you can see both defensively and offensively that he doesn't just stick to the left. He's all over the ice. And if you have two wingers on the same line who, who do that, then it doesn't impact them in a negative way. So it depends on who you're playing with. I think Kako and Lafreniere on the same line works. I think Panarin and Kako works. Panarin and Lafreniere works. I think when it comes to Kreider, you need to have him on a line with someone who is comfortable playing on the right wing the entire game. Someone like Kapo Kako, who's comfortable there. Vitaly Kravtsov, Pavel Butnevich. So it depends on who you play Lafreniere with. But when it comes to Panarin, yeah, I'm comfortable playing them on the same line. Yes. You know, I agree. Absolutely. Um, next up, uh, questions, and these are getting to the final four here, and then we'll just wrap up, do a quick um, breakdown of what our predictions are for the games, and then we'll get out of here. But Luke for the Orange and Blue Shirt Podcast. What's up, Luke? He's a great supporter. He supports me on both my um, channels for the um, the Rangers and the Mets, respectively. He's the most surprising player this season. In my mind, Keandre Miller. What's yours? Um, Capo Caco. Okay. Considering how disappointing it was last season and how dominant he is sometimes. Yeah, the points aren't there yet, but the plays there. He he his turnover his turnover ratio is 13 to 1. It's a night so, and day difference with his performance he, currently. It's it's night and day. He almost plays like Mark Stone this season without the goals, but the way he robs opponents of the puck, the way he sets up breakaways, the way he just takes over entire shifts, he dominates shifts. The points will come. I think Kako has been the most impressive so far, considering what my expectations were based on previous seasons and what he's actually shown. But Keandre Miller is up there as well, yes. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, no, Kako has been tremendous. I I hope for his sake, once he's back off the list, whenever that's going to be, that he just continues to roll and hopefully takes an even bigger role, especially if Panarin's out for any time uh, long-term wise. Um, but next question now from uh, Zach, uh, New York Rangers uh, 27 here on Twitter says, what do you guys think of the speculation of trading Laffy and Mika for Eichel? Okay, we're not going to have a field day with this one, but we can give a simple answer, I would say. Um, I would personally think it's ridiculous, just would like to hear your opinion. Um, yeah, no, you don't You don't trade Lafreniere for anything at this point. Um, I, I'd say the only exception for Lafreniere is truly like a um, Connor McDavid. Um, outside of that, there's nothing. <laughs> Just because th- this is this is a time for the Rangers to prove that one they can develop talent, and two they have a really a franchise altering first overall pick. You know, going into his draft year, he was so unbelievably coveted. You can see the skill set is very much there. It's just taking his dear sweet time because of the current system he's under. Um, so yeah, I would say that um, Lafreniere and Eichel Trey, as much as I would love Jack Eichel, do not get me wrong. I think it would hurt the Rangers in the in the long run losing a guy like Lafreniere. Um, as crucial as the center position is and everything, it just Lafreniere is a guy that you need to keep in this core. And I do believe that while it may not be the best in comparison to other teams, the Rangers really want to give up enough assets to acquire Eichel. They can without giving up Lafreniere. 
Um, I know Sabres fans are going to be like, hell of a no, I don't know where you're smoking, but uh, when you look at the depth in this prospect pool and these draft picks that they still currently have and the immediate talent on this roster that the Rangers, I would imagine, would be willing to part ways with where it doesn't set them back, because why the hell would you trade Freichel if you're only going to be saying back, right? Um, I think it would work out well for them. Yeah, um, I don't think Lafreniere is going to be included in any trade anytime soon. Um, the last time a team traded away the, the guy they picked first overall before he hit his prime was maybe Joe Thornton. Uh, and I'm, Oh, first overall pick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I have to imagine it's Thornton. No one else comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yakupov wasn't really great by the time he was traded. Thornton no. really took off in San Jose and is probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I'm pretty sure Bruins fans would want that one back. Um, I don't think the Rangers are trading Lafreniere. I don't see it happening. I don't see them trading Kako, Fox, or Shostjorkin either. Yeah, no, neither do I. Um, but next question now of the second to last year from Blue Shirts 30 at Jacob on Twitter says, why is it every single time you two record something huge happens within our organization? And to that, I have no clue. And it's funny, Steve and I were laughing about that earlier prior to recording this. So yeah, no, good question. We're left wondering the same thing. I don't know if we're good or bad, Juju. As of right now, it looks like bad because we're 0 for 2. It's only been negative things that we've seen transpire in their first seven episodes on that front. But I thought that was a funny question. Um, and then getting yep. on to the last question here from John on Twitter says, how do we combat any team that decides to throw their weight around or will Buchnevich have to drop the gloves all year? Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair question. I mean, um, the Rangers on all cylinders, I think they have more size than what you would necessarily see. Um, losing Truba hurts them because he is a guy that does throw his weight around. He's been more known for that than I would think his play to an extent. Um, he's definitely been trying to take advantage of just being a strict hip checker really being more aggressive his game has changed a lot in a short period of time more so for the negative than the positive in my respectful opinion um but i understand the debates otherwise yeah no the rangers are not a team where you're looking to have guys constantly dropping the gloves you have brendan lemieux that can do that Kreider doesn't mind defending himself when needed but yeah this is a team that's not going to prioritize having guys that are willing but they do have a guy in the come up probably within the next couple of years that could basically be a Lemieux-esque with maybe some more upside that being a Will Cooley. So um, again, only time will tell, but uh, yeah, the Rangers are not going to be a team that's going to be prioritizing knowing how to defend themselves. Uh, hopefully for their sake, they can be more of a team structure like uh, the Bruins, for instance, where their just mentality is just ridiculous. You know, it doesn't matter the size of the guy you're going up against. None of them for the most part have a problem defending themselves, even, even their top stars. Uh, so that is what I hope for the Rangers, but that comes with mentality and coaching at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think, you know, we need to we need to look at the players. And say, you can bring physicality without dropping the gloves. Um, Ryan Lindgren is a player who brings a physical edge yep. to the game. You already mentioned Jacob Truba. Um, Miller is big, but he's a skilled big defenseman. He's not really someone who really checks players into the boards for no reason. Braden Schneider, though, is probably the player that fans are looking for yes. in a few years. Schneider's and looking at Hartford... In my um, mind. Yeah, in my opinion, too. Uh, when looking at Hartford, there are some guys there that I'm intrigued by and some unsigned prospects, like Adam Ekstrom in Sweden. Austin Rushev, who's now in, uh, in Hartford. A big guy. 
played for Western Michigan, one of the smaller schools in college. Uh, also, he, he's a big guy, plays um, fourth line minutes in Hartford. I think if there's if there's a need for some physicality, he could be a possible solution in a year or two. Um, so it's not like the Rangers are putting together a Smurfs team where the average uh, uh, height of our team is six foot. It, that's just that's not the case. Um, I think the Rangers need to make sure that they keep the right balance between physical play and technical play because otherwise you'll just end up like the 2011-12 Rangers where you're always chasing the puck, blocking shots, and you have to hope for your one or two snipers to score five goals so you can win a game. Um, I think the Rangers have the right mix with players coming through now. Nils Lundqvist, I know he's small, but he doesn't play like he's 5'11". He plays like he's 6'4". Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 20 years old. He doesn't play like he's 20. He plays like he's 27. So uh, don't let his size fool you. I think he can bring a little bit of an edge to his game as well. And then we have Matthew Robertson on the left, who's also a big kid. Um, I think the Rangers will be fine. I think especially the older fans like to see a little bit more grit, a little bit more physicality, but I don't want to sacrifice skill for the sake of phys- phys- of physical play, if that makes sense. Yeah, no more of the Cody McClouds, the Tanner Glasses, and Michael no, Haley's every single no, season. They're finally want- getting out of that belief, you know? Um, and the dream is to find a guy like Tom Wilson, you exactly. know, or, or Wayne Simmons in his prime. You know, that's the type of guy you want, a guy who adds some physicality but also is able to to drop the gloves or, or check a guy into the boards um, and intimidate opponents from time to time. And that it's tough well to find those players. Will Cooley could be one. Uh, Brad Berard is a jitterbug who will mm-hmm. make hopefully make the Rangers in three, four years. Uh, yeah, there are some some exciting players in the system right now. And we'll have to be patient and see who makes it and who doesn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I, I think we hit the nail on the head with all those questions, though. So thank you all again for everyone that sent them in. That was awesome. We'll be doing more mail, mailbags in the future. Um, probably next time we'll be maybe won't we have less games to talk about just so the episodes aren't getting too long. But um, before we close things out, Stephen, let's just give our natural prediction for the upcoming week of games for the Rangers because they have three games coming up, as we know. Um, I don't think that they're going to necessarily do too hot um, currently with Panarin out. Um, we have the Flyers as of now on Wednesday, the 24th in Philly. Then Friday, you're playing Boston at home. And then Sunday, you're playing Boston at home as well. So uh, what's your prediction for the upcoming games? Uh, tough one. Uh Oh, two and one. I think, I think the Flyers will come out uh, trying to prove something after losing to the Bruins uh, at Lake Tahoe, seven three. Um, so I, I don't think the Flyers will be. They'll be a better team than they were last week. You know, they've had some games under their belts now. Uh, maybe a player or two coming back from from the COVID list by then. Um, but I think the Flyers will give us a run for our money. Uh, the Bruins. I would love to see the Rangers beat the Bruins, but I don't see it this season, man. They're, they are such a great team. And there was all this talk about Chara leaving and Tory Krug leaving and, and their best players being old. And But they are the best team in the division and probably one of the best teams in the league. Um, 
one year doesn't make a lot of difference when it comes to old players. It makes a ton of difference when it comes to young players, mm -hmm. but your star player being 33 or 34 is not going to make a big difference. So I think the Bruins are going to, uh, to beat us. I mean, it's, it's, we're almost at that stage now where whenever the Bruins play, I, I, I root for them to win because they are, they are the only team we, that we cannot realistically catch. So we'll just hope for them to beat the, the teams that we're competing with. Yeah, I know. It if sucks that, that we're already to that point, but you're, you're not far off in that belief either. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I want but to... But I have to... I, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to reiterate what I said, I think last week or two weeks ago, I'm so thrilled that we have an original six-team in our division, and I hope the, the NHL keeps it this way. They play good against each other. You know, at least if we see similar competition to what the Rangers did the past two games against Boston, then good things are going to come. It's something that I definitely enjoy. They're definitely heat matchups for sure, but... Um, as much as I want to give them a, the Rangers a win, and I feel that they have su still have a chance against Philly to an extent, um, I think with Panarin out, especially if he's out for this entire week coming up, which feels inevitable right now, um, Kako still uncertainty and everything. Um, even with this defense, I'm just I do not have a good feeling about the Rangers. Unfortunately, I want to give them one win, but I'm gonna just honestly go the safe pick and say they go own three. They get at least one win, I'll be very happy about it. I'll be all smiles. I'll be like, I'm glad I was wrong, but. Uh, Rangers, Rangers are 0-4 without Panarin. Um, I think this very well could take down all the steam that they had just picked up. Uh, but if Mika's Zibanejad steps up, if that empty netter really took the monkey off his back, then maybe they can squeak one or two of those games. But I'm not going to bet the farm on it. So I'm going 0-3 right now, as um, as upsetting as that may be. 0-3 for you, 0-2-1 for me. Um, one final question before you can close it out. Um Will Artemi Panarin still be leading the Rangers in points when he returns? Um, hmm. Let's see. Booch is, Booch is six Booch, points Booch behind. Booch never checked. He's six points behind, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think he will. Because I okay. think that even I think even if other guys are putting up good points, say say hypothetically Panarin's out two two weeks to a month, right? Just hypothetically right now. Um, yeah. Booch, there's no guarantee that he's going to continue be like you know getting closer to a point per game. Uh, Strom, if he continues to get hot, great. But Strom's still you know nine points behind Panarin, and he's a third leading scorer on the team. Um, so Booch is really the only worry about getting over that. And uh, I would love that for be the case if he does, and that means that something good is happening. But yeah, I don't think anyone's going to pass Panarin as of now. All right. That's, I, I feel the same way, but it's... Uh, it's you don't want to feel that way. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to feel that way, but... Yeah. yeah. we're, we're ra I think we're rational fans at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> try, trying to be for the most part. But again, uh, yeah, thank you all so much to everyone that chimed in to today's episode. This was great. It was a long one, pushing upwards of an hour and a half. So I hope you all listened to me to this point and enjoy it. If you did, make sure to put that uh, smash that like button and everything. And again, thank you just all so much. Expect more great things regarding Steven and I for the episodes going forward and hopefully more positivity. I feel like each week we're saying, you know, hopefully the next week, next time we talk, it's going to be something better. But it's been a constant, you know, roller coaster this season. And yeah, that's about it. So Steven, anything else you want to leave before we get out of here? Um, not really. I mean, this, <laughs> this Panarin situation is going to be uh, interesting enough as it is. Yeah, I think we'll, that's putting it lightly. We'll 
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone that checked it out. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.